Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Big and Free podcast for people who like a glass of wine. Sit back, relax, pour out a glass of your favorite wine, and join our host, Mr. Dave AC, for the next hour, while we enjoy some nice wine. Likes a good glass of red wine. Your host, Mr. Dave AC. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Big and Fruity Wine Podcast. And there's a little bit of a funny story behind today's show. And I'm going to uh, thank uh, guest five in our room in a moment for doing so. Uh, this is the Big and Fruity Wine Podcast. We go out every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. And uh, this is episode 79. Now, currently, we're in a bit of a time zone change. Um, this call ID, double one double two seven two, goes out at 5 p.m. Eastern Time in the United States. All shows on TalkShoe go out at um, Eastern Time. And, of course, they've just moved on from uh, to Eastern Daylight Time. However, as you perhaps can tell from my voice, I'm in the UK, and we are still on GMT. So, for once, this is going out at 9 p.m., here in the UK. Uh, normally, of course, it goes out at 10 p.m. And <laughs> this has been quite an unusual start because I've made a little bit of a schoolboy error. Prior to starting the recording, I had muted my microphone while I shuffled my bits of paper around, getting all my links ready to talk about. And um, thanking very much to our guest in the room, um, I had forgotten to unmute myself. So what I'm doing now is... Uh, starting again of course if you're listening to the recording you would have been none the wiser and i could have uh, been really smart and not let on but i'm an honest sort of chap and so i will say that i made a little bit of a far. nothing to do with the amount that i've drunk yes on the big and fruity wine podcast every week we have a wine fact we have a topic today's topic is back to wine and health but as always i have a bottle of wine to hand not all of which I shall drink during the show, but I do have, uh, it's been put out now, as it happens, uh, nearer to an hour and a half, and my actual glass of wine has been poured out a good 30 minutes, because we went some way into the show before uh, that error was pointed out to me. So in thank you in lieu to the guest that did that, uh, they had put a question in text, So I'm going to go to that question before we start the show normally uh, when I tell you about the wine I'm drinking and give you the TwitPit link and then we get move swiftly on. Uh, With just being in the room, we'd normally go about 40 minutes uh, and maybe a little bit shorter than that today. But um, let me just address what guest four have put into the room. 
Um, I wonder if wine would taste better if you add some sugar to it. I always find wine to be extremely sour. I wonder if it uh, would taste better if we added a few teaspoons of sugar to our glass of wine. Uh, and guess what? What I was uh, trying to answer but didn't come through to you uh, was the fact that, um, of course, it's the sugar in the, the fruit that is turned into the alcohol. Now, if you want to actually buy a wine that is likely to be sweeter, go and look for what's called early harvest wines. You'll find those in the supermarkets now, even more so now when they're worried about the alcoholic um, intake of some people, which of course relates to today's topic. Uh, so if you look for what are called new harvest wines, you'll find that they're only 8 maybe 6%, 8% and 9%. By the way, I would not suggest you go for the uh, non-alcoholic wines. Now there's two ways of producing non-alcoholic wines. There's ones where there was no alcohol uh, put in there, really uh, almost uh, fruit juices as it were, but mainly it's a wine and then the alcohol is extracted out. Um, but um, I would suggest you try early harvest wines. They do tend to be sweeter on the palate. Now, both most easy drinking wines, the sort of wines that you can buy in box wines and pouch wines, tend to be obviously, uh, well, not obviously, but they tend to be un-oak wines with less structure and less towards the drier range. Now, Something to do with this can be a person's age because um, it's only in the last 10 years or so that I've started to enjoy more dry wines and particularly wines that are oat wines. And, and, and not mutually exclusive, but by and large, uh, wines that have um, you know, uh, the oak structure in it. Now, the audio is coming through now. Let me have a look. Uh, let me just check. Um, just to pause in one moment. I'm just asking a question to make sure that my guest is hearing the audio. Okay, uh, I will continue because uh, I can see my name lighting up. So the audio is going out. Um, so uh, that that is basically, and of course with um, champagne course it's the thank you guest five it's the sugar um that is used in the champagne in effect it's a double process of fermenting the wine that leads to it being a sparkling wine now that doesn't mean that of course champagnes are necessarily sweet you can have obviously the dry and demi sec and so on you have the different types of uh of champagne sparkling wines but it is the um, the sugar that's added that means that you get those sparkling wines. So that's how it is used. But um, as I say, the simplest thing to do is um, uh, if you're buying a red wine, don't get any of the wines that are the very full-bodied D uh, rating as they use here in the UK. Look for the B and C, the lighter-bodied wines. And also, um, if you look for what is called early harvest wines, they do tend to be of a sweeter variety because less of the alcohol, sorry, less of the sugar has been turned into alcohol. Right, uh, let me uh, smell the wine that I've got and um, we'll have a go. Uh, I 
have had a false start here, so I've already got an impression of what this wine is like. And I've got a lot of uh, cherry and earthiness. Those are the main things that I'm getting coming through from uh, the wine. The wine I'm drinking, by the way, might be better if I tell you its title again, is Connoisseur Bicycletta. The grape is Pinot Noir. It's from Chile. It's a 2011, and it's 13.5% by volume. And um, it's been reduced recently from Tesco's from uh, uh, £7.49, which is about $11, $12, to £5. That's down to $8. So it represents, if it tastes good, a very good value wine. So let me have that. So, yes, it's definitely earthiness and cherry that I'm getting. Not getting much floral. With Pinot Noir, you often get violets or other floral notes. I'm not getting that. Ooh. There's an awful lot of spice in there. And really is quite a lot of plum and um, spice and... Cherry, black cherry, um, yes, very much so. And I, I am getting also a little bit of a, quite an acidic edge to it. I don't mean unpleasant, but there's, um, it's not grapefruit, but it's like a slightly acidic edge coming through. Mm. But it is a very a nice long finish um, and um, very, very pleasant indeed. The um, TwitPic picture, I always put a TwitPic picture up of the wine hand and I'll put that link in the room. I've already put links into the room for our Twitter feed which is big and fruity. Uh, I've already put a link in the room for our, let me put those in again for our guests. Uh, big and fruity is the Twitter. We have a Facebook page if you put big and fruity uh, wine podcast in Facebook uh, and also if you use Google Plus there's a big and fruity Google Plus page. Let me read out the TwitPick URL, which is all in small case. It's twitpick.com forward slash C-A-T-I-1-5. So that's the TwitPick uh, picture. It's a screw cap wine. It's got a purple screw cap. It's got a beautiful design label. And um, we'll be talking about uh, label designs yet again uh, in... Uh, two or three weeks' time, I think, on episode 82 of uh, Big and Fruity. Uh, but that's the um, link there. It's been viewed by about 24 or 5 people already. Now, um, let me go first, before I go to the actual Connoisseur site itself. As I said, this is a wine from Tesco's. Um, and let me just read a little bit about it here. Um, uh, from Chile, great Pinot Noir Vintage, 2011. Um, and um, winemaker Adolfo Hurtado, that's pronounced H-U-R-T-A-D-O. And uh, the tasting notes there, they say, this voluptuous Pinot Noir is full of rich aromas uh, and flavours of cherry, plum and strawberry, finished with a subtle spiciness. And that has the rating of B. So, um, light and fruity. And again, before I read 
a little bit off that. Let me just read from the back label of the bottle. Um, it says here, uh, Connoisseur vineyard workers travel around the estate by bicycle, tending the vines using natural methods in order to produce the best quality grapes. Our bicycle, bicycle, I can't say it now, bicycle, I had it a minute ago, wines are a tribute to them. Fresh, voluptuous Pinot Noir with notes of cherry and black carrots, same as it says on the site. Uh, this is the perfect wine for grilled chicken or red meat dishes. Now, there's a couple of reviews there, so let me just read a couple of reviews from the page link that I've put in the room. A little bit long to read out, I'm afraid, the page link, but um, uh, Mrs. Yu. Uh, this wine is delicious, really soft, smooth, fantastic value, especially compared with the French and New Zealand equivalent, which, in my opinion, don't deliver much more flavour. Excellent buy, a crowd pleaser, highly commended. Um, from Rob33, excellent value for wine of this character, though clearly not as good as a New Zealand Pinot. Um, uh, and from uh, one more, from uh, High hydrophobe whilst nothing can compare with a decent french burgundy this will give you a hint of what it's all about for a fraction of the price so that's uh, a good little uh, piece of information there let's go to the actual um connoisseur um let me get this right a bit uh get the one right in a moment here we go it's over here somewhere. I've got so many links home, you see, at the moment. Here we are. Uh, I'm going to go to one of the site's pages. Again, I do express that you go to them. Okay. And Guest 5 has just put, um, it is, he's following on Google+. Plus. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thank you for that. I will uh, look that out later. Thank you. I won't say your name on audio just in case you don't want that, but uh, thank you very much indeed, uh, Guest 5. I'll, do, I'll just say the first name, Patrick. Thank you, Patrick. Okay. Um, the the um, the page I'm going to to the connoisseur, uh, the winemaker, of course, is www.connoisseur.com, and that's spelled C-O-N-O. S-U-R. And this is the page where they're talking about their single varietal grapes because they do a range of grapes in uh, a range of wines in this bike, bicycleta. Got it right this time. And um, the wines are characterized by their fruity expression and for offering more than traditional strains. A clear example of this range is innovative style and creativity. Um, and by the way, of course, that's their blurb. So take that with a pinch of salt. But they do a Sauvignon Blanc, a Chardonnay, a Pinot Rosé, lots of others, a Riesling, a Malbec. Uh, there's about 12 in the series. Beautifully uh, uh, detailed-looking uh, labels and um, very nice indeed. And if the, this wine is anything to go by, uh, very good value for money. I won't spend too much more on this wine because we do want to talk about other things. Oh, yes, I want to just read a little bit about one of their page 
um, about um, the, the the Pinot Noir grape. Now, that's just gone. Where's that page gone? There we are. Uh, sorry, what happened is that you have to um, you have to click that you're of a certain age before the page opens up. And this is again last page from them. www.consor.com forward slash our dash pinon dash noir forward slash our dash pinon noir. I don't know why they got it twice, but let me just read a little bit about this. Uh, I want you to go to their page and read it yourself. <clears throat> Our Pinot Noir project started in 1999 with the aim of producing the best Pinot Noir in Chile. Unique, expressive and proud of its new world roots, while vinified according to Burgundian tradition, which of course explains that uh, Tesco review where somebody said that um, it's not quite as good as the wines from Burgundy, but you get the idea from it. Um, uh, so, uh, an experienced Pinot winemaker who has helped to select Chilean terroirs and advised us on optimum vineyard management. So that's all I'm going to read from there. Um, there's lots of other things from... Um, well, let me just read this. So oh, it's a very long uh, clip, this one. So I'll just put it in the room and say it's from... Um, Through. There it goes. Um, www.winealign.com forward slash wines. And then it's talking about this particular wine, the Connoisseur Bicicletta Pinot Noir 2011 from Central Valley in Chile. Uh, it, I was quite right. Good. My, my change to um, American money was right because they say it's priced um, at $10.95. And I said around $11. Um, uh, ruby red colour, cherries, earth and berries with a touch of spice in both aroma and flavour. Dry, light to medium body, quite lively on the palate with mild tannin and a rounded fruity finish. So uh, it gets 4.2 out of 5 from them. So um, that is really um, a pretty good um, uh, say-so from them. Okay, let's um, move on from that because we have been going now for about um, 18 minutes uh, into this uh, updated recording. As I mentioned, I uh, mentioned we had a little bit of an issue with the audio at the start. Okay, um, well, the, we usually have a wine fact and then a main topic. And the wine fact is one that I actually uh, had to leave over from another episode. I just ran out of time. Uh, but it's one of the ones that I, I like to find. I won't read it all. I want you to go to the um, the uh, site itself. And this is from Tom Wark's Fermentation, the Daily Wine Blog. And it's all one word, fermentationwineblog.com. And it's Tom Wark's, so and that's W-A-R-K, apostrophe S. Um, and um, we're looking at a link um, and it's called the Top 10 Winery Promotion Tools. And uh, it just shows you, you, you may think that, you know, uh, as I said earlier, that um, wine people are not that uh, 
forward thinking are they they don't embrace new technology and the traditionalists and so on but that is not necessarily the case uh, the people in the wine market do uh, very seriously and they have to with all the different brands uh, promote their work and uh, let me just go I'll just deal with this and then I think we've got another question from guest five which I will try and uh, deal well not deal with try and give some sort of a reply to so um the winery brand owner has a variety of tools at their disposal for promoting their product and sales but some are more important to them than others some are critical to the success of the brand and these are the 10 top most important winery promotional tools now i'm not going to read all these out uh certainly not i want you to go there but let me let since we are talking directly to the wine drinkers let me go to number six on this list direct to consumer communicating tool nearly nearly, uh, nearly every small to medium business size winery will make special effort to reach out to their consumers directly it might take the form of an email or a printed letter it might be a newsletter form allocation letter or a new release announcement Whatever it is and whatever it does, this particular tool is critical to your sales and branding because it is your primary message and brand effort to those most likely to support you. And I think that can be added to, of course, that the, um, the, the written page has now been superseded by, as I was saying before, uh, there are an awful lot of uh, winemakers on Twitter and there are an awful lot of winemakers who have their blogs. And of course, many of the wines I've talked about on this podcast, I actually buy directly over the internet from places like Naked Wines, Tesco do theirs direct, um, and there is the um, lots of other wine uh, groups that sell uh, virgin wines. In actual fact, on the 23rd of Saturday, 23rd of March, Saturday, um, I'm going to a Manchester wine tasting event with my friend Jack four words virgin wines where you pay 20 pounds to go that's 30 dollars but you can offset that cost uh, putting it towards the cost of an order of wines and um <clears throat> last time we went there i was i thought i was being uh, drinking tasting quite a lot uh, did pour a few away but tasted over 40 wines uh and uh, my friend jack just went uh well, let's put it this way, he got his £20 worth. But really, I did enjoy it, and I actually am going to try and cut back, taste less this time, and be a little bit more critical in my wine tasting. I'm just going to break off from that now, because um, we will be going on to our um, main topic, which is wine and health. But let's see, uh, let me read the question in the chat room. If you come on the show live, you can put questions in chat, or of course you can come on audio, you can come on audio by phoning in on 724-444-7444. Or indeed, um, let me just put that in the room for our guest. Or indeed, if you now to use a SIP client, you can come in using um, 66 at 212.134.192 using some sort of VoIP. Okay, I wonder if you knew... Uh, that our early British forefathers drank beer and wine instead of water due to the concerns about the cleanliness in public water supply. I, I did indeed. That's where a, a common UK expression comes from. Uh, when somebody uh, 
does something and you don't think very much of it, or they've got, let's say they've got a, um, let's say, oh, I'm a businessman, and then you find out that their business is just running a street cart or a hot dog selling, you might say to them, oh, that's small beer. Meaning, you know, it's not a very big business, it's small beer. But small beer, um, or short beer sometimes it was called, was, was, the, um, was basically watered down beer, only 1 or 2%, which was drunk. It was just strong enough alcohol to kill a lot of the germs in. And um, it, was, it was actually beer that was produced from the second brewing, so that they would make beer from the hops. And then with the, all the hops and so on that they had, uh, after the main beer had been done, they would do a second treatment of that, a little bit like straining the last of the tea out of tea leaves, uh, uh, draining, um, having coffee out, out the old coffee grounds, they would make something called small beer. And um, uh, certainly um, that is one of the things. I mean, one of the reasons why I think a lot of French people um, uh, drink uh, wine, they tend to drink wine with their meals, uh, when I went over to France, um, even young children at the at the family meal table, and I'm not suggesting that French water is not safe now. I mean, they've got the Avion bottle water and all sorts of things, but um, um, they um, they would often give the children uh, watered down wine um, with their meal. So yes, I think that is quite historically correct. Okay, well we've been going for quite a little time. I'm not quite as relaxed as I would have been, as I say, because of my false start. So I think I'll just sit back for one moment and have a little sip of my uh, Pinot Noir. Okay, well, I do really need to relax because I've got a feeling that um, this is going to this topic is going to get me a little bit um, anxious because it's again that topic of wine and health. You now, I will just remind people who haven't listened to many of my back episodes that um, you virtually have to toss a coin as to whether the next medical uh, information about wine will t- be telling you that it is very bad for your health. I'll toss a coin a second time and you'll find out that wine is possibly good for your health. So, in no particular order, I'm just going to go and look at some of these uh, links that that, um, I've got here in the room. And let's start with uh, an initiative that I really should have covered earlier in the year because it was in January in the UK, um, there was a movement about suggesting to people after all the indulgences of Christmas and New Year's Eve that they should try and have an alcohol-free January. And of course, the implied uh, reason for doing so is that it would be to give their um, uh, their liver some sort of uh, respite from all the alcohol they've been drinking and may be beneficial to their health. So I put the link in the room and this is from the bbc.co.uk forward slash news forward slash magazine uh, and the easiest way to find it is to go to Google and put in alcohol free January. Uh, the item came out on the 14th of January 
2013 by Tom V. Castella. And again, I'm not going to read all this information. Uh, just talk about it a little bit after the event. But there's no reason why you can't have your personal designate a month to go without alcohol. Uh, let me just read a couple of paragraphs from it. Uh, think of a social occasion, and it's hard to find many that do not involve booze. Traditional rites of passage, christening, wedding, funeral, are the precursors to a glass of carver, or perhaps to wake a steadying whis whiskey. Uh, fancy a trip to the theatre to see some classical music. Be careful to avoid the interval drink scrum. Hippos make their way to the watering hole with more restraint and poise than this. So um, the whole idea is, is it possible to turn down a drink? Especially if, uh, well, it is possible rather, if you have a, a religious dispensation or maybe if you're the designated driver. But um, there's an awful lot here. Let me, I'm, I'm trying to sort of sight read through this. Right, so what can the alcoholic abstainer do without becoming a hermit? Lobby a group, uh, lobby group drink aware suggests karaoke, but this seems to ignore the prediction of uh, uh, people at cinemas and so on to have increasingly have bars. Not reading this particularly well, am I? That's because I'm trying to scan it, and to me, uh, the thought of going without alcohol for a, uh, a month does sound rather drastic. Okay, let me just read this one paragraph from this because it's a little bit difficult, this page, uh, in the content amount. Uh, but Roger Prost, editor of the Good Beer Guide, rejects the idea that the UK is a dependency culture reliant on drink. Alcohol consumption is falling, he says. An analysis from... Uh, HMRC data shows that the total alcohol consumption per head of the UK population fell 13% between 2004 and 2011. And that's all I'm going to um, read from uh, that little bit of page. So let's go to a, a one of the many dailymail.uk.co.uk pages about health and alcohol. Uh, this is an item by Roger Dobson on the Daily Mail. Mail online, www.dailymail.co.uk uh, in their health section. And the subtitle is, So How Good Is Wine For Our Health? And again, I'm just going to point you to this. I want you to read it. Let me just start the little bit at the beginning. Wine drinkers have never had it so good. Not only does a glass of uh, a glass or two or even three uh, taste rather good, it's remarkably healthy too, protecting against a whole range of diseases. Cancer, heart disease, stroke, dementia, early death, you name it, and the contents of a bottle of vino can cure it. Well, according to most half the researchers investigating the phenomenon. But of course, the problem is that the other half reckon that drinking wine can lead to serious health damage, causing cancer, heart disease, stroke, infertility, and a myriad of other disorders. It's no reason, is it? It's no misunderstanding that people just hold up their hands and think, um, let me 
choose. And a case in point is another Daily Mail article. And this is called, or subtitled, um, Could Red Wine Help Cure Prostate Cleanser? A new research suggests it can, be make radio, it can make radiation more effective. So here we go. And uh, it doesn't have a... Oh, yes. 12th of November, 2012, this one, by a Daily Mail reporter. I put the link in the room. Let me just read a little bit of it out. And you decide yourself whether you want to go there and read more about it. Red wine could be the key to fighting prostate cancer thanks to a grape compound that makes tumour cells more sensitive to treatment. Uh, and I can never pronounce this word, so I'm going to put it in the room. But it's the agent in red wine that is often given to have the beneficial uh, effects. And it's resveratrol. And I'm going to spell it out because I've mangled the word. R-E-S-V-E-R-A-T-R-O-L. It's a compound from for, uh, commonly found in grape skins and red wine. It has been shown to have several beneficial effects on human health, including cardiovascular health and stroke prevention. Now, for the first time, researchers from the University of Missouri have discovered that it can make prostate uh, tumour cells more susceptible to the radiation treatment. And um, there's an awful lot more on that page for you yourself to go and discover and read out. <laughs> I've got <laughs> a third piece of good news from the Mail uh, Online. Good, some more good news. We like that. And this has got a very long strap line, and it is um, from the 10th of March 2013, which was just two days ago by Lucy Crossley. New drug being developed using compound found in red wine could help humans live until they are 150. Wow, this sounds a good one to read out. Uh, let me read a little bit of this. Again. I want you to go to their site, it's their content. But let me just read a little bit. Drugs that could combat aging and help people to live 150 years old may be available within five years following landmark research. The new drugs are synthetic versions of that Reservatrol, that I was mentioning before, which is found in red wine and is believed to have an anti-aging effect as it boosts activity of a protein called SIRT1. The pharmaceutical giant uh, GlaxoSmithKline has been testing the medications on patients suffering with medical conditions, including cancer, diabetes, and heart disease. The work proves that single anti aging enzyme in the body can be targeted with the potential to prevent age related diseases and extend lifespans. Of course, this, the key word there is artificial. It doesn't involve drinking a bottle of wine a day. There you go. Um, and um, just to balance the equation, as I say, that's what they always do with you on these things. You never know whether it's going to be good news or bad news. Is another link from the BBC News, BBC News Health page, www.bbc.co.uk forward slash news forward slash health. And this just shows 
because that the people who are often giving us this advice are mainly loath to take it themselves. The strap line is, and this was from the 21st of February 2011, thousands are at risk of alcohol death, say doctors. Poor alcohol reg regulation could cost... Well, actually, I thought when I first read that, I thought it meant that doctors weren't taking that advice, but I think I might have missed that. Poor alcohol regulation could cost up to quarter of a million lives in England and Wales over the next 20 years, doctors warn. Professor Ian Gilmore said, the drinking culture must change. Writing in The Lancet, the leading liver disease specialists say measures, including a minimum price of 50p per unit, are urgently needed. And I'm going to stop on that one because I do have very, very uh, recent information page and I think I'm going to end on this one. And this is from the BBC News again. And this is dated today. Uh, remember, we're going to our uh, budget soon in the UK as we're just joined on the call by guest six. Let me allow guest six. Oh, done it again. Sorry for that. Let me just... Um, Have a sip of my wine. Welcome, guest six. We are coming to the end of the podcast. This is Dave AC on the Big and Fruity Wine Podcast. Um, if you want to know the um, wine I'm drinking, um, I have put lots of links in the room. But, of course, if you're just joining us late, you will uh, not be able to see those unless you're using the pro client. But there's the TwitPic picture of the wine I'm drinking. It's a Pinot Noir from Chile a reasonably priced wine, and we talked about that a little earlier. But um, I'm just on talking now about wine and health issues. But um, this very last link I want to mention is because we're having here in the UK our uh, annual budget soon, and one of the things that was being discussed was whether uh, they quite often put tax up on alcohol and cigarettes, but whether they would be more punitive with that in order to discourage people from what is sometimes considered booze drinking. So this link at um, uh, bbc.co.uk forward slash news, and this is a minimum alcohol pricing plan may be dropped. Now in Scotland, and I'm based in the UK by the way, but in Scotland they're going ahead with their 50p per alcohol unit price. And remember, this doesn't really affect wine drinkers so much. It mainly affects the people drinking cheap lager and cheap beer uh, and maybe even cheap spirits. Um, but um, they were in the UK not considering 50 pound P per unit, but 45. But uh, there's an awful lot of pressure from both sides. Let me again suggest that you do go and read this page yourself. But let me just read the first couple of paragraphs. Plans for a minimum pricing on alcohol in England and Wales may be dropped because Conservative ministers are split over these proposals. David Cameron supports minimum alcohol pricing and the government has been consulting on a price of 45p per unit. But of course they've been talking about it so long that they now, because of inflation, want to make that 50%, 50p. 
BBC political correspondent Louise Stewart says several cabinet ministers, including Theresa May, Michael Grove and Andrew Lancy, do not back the plans. It is argued that introducing a minimum price would help reduce the levels of ill health and crime related to alcohol and prevent practices like preloading, where people binge drink before they go out. But of course, the, um, the other side of the campaign is the fact that... Um, People who drink sensibly are penalised. Here, the Wine and Spirit Trade Association said recent figures showed that alcohol consumption was falling. It's fallen about 13% since 2004. Um, And um, they should reconsider plans to hike up the cost of alcohol. Uh, The minimum unit pricing would penalise responsible drinkers and treat everyone who's looking for value in their shopping Treat them as a binge drinker. Okay, and there's just some text chat going on. It's not related to wine, so I won't read it out on audio, but you're both welcome in the room. So what I'm trying to say is that each week there does seem to be this seesaw effect of the different uh, people that... uh, are the different views about health and wine. Now, we got off slightly on the wrong foot. Um, uh, guest six, who, who may not be aware, um, I, I'd self-muted prior to starting the show and had to just do a restart, which will be sorted by editing. But um, we've still uh, got uh, about a 40-minute show that I need to bring to an end uh, very shortly. Thank you for being with us for this episode 79. Next week, episode 80, the topic will be storing wine and more. Uh, the more, by the way, will be related to any of the new things that have come out from the UK in terms of the budget statement. So uh, please try and join us for that. And I'm going to end with our just safe music and end today's show. Thank you very much for uh, my guests for staying with me. Apologies for that little hiccup at the beginning of the call. And um, let's play ourselves out. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.